There are various platforms out there, but we chose Kickstarter because it worked for us, and we gave ourselves 30 days to reach our funding goal, which at that time was $12,000. And uh, I, uh, I put the application in early in the year, and then we wanted to update it because we hadn't gotten to you know, launch it yet. Well, it's after midnight. I, I was working so hard, and I thought we're updating our application, and it told us it will take another week until it you know, will finally launch. Well, when I clicked update application, it actually launched my Kickstarter campaign <laughs> in the middle of the night. And there was no preparation for any of the contacts on the social media. It was, I'm telling you, I was by myself. It was like 2.30 or something in the morning. <laughs> I was still contacting with the designer. And uh, it was shocking. People were like, I thought it was launching next week. What happened? And you want the launch to be big, you know. Yeah, right. Oh, man, all the emails went out, you know, in oh, the man. very morning. <laughs> and, you know, praise God, we reached our funding goal in, you know, within three days. Welcome to the Adventure Podcast, a platform designed to inspire young, mission-minded entrepreneurs to start businesses and ministries of their own. Throughout these episodes, we will be hearing the stories of Adventist professionals and leaders who have thrived in their spheres by putting God first. Welcome to this episode of Adventure Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Flannery Valadez, and I got with me today, Erwin Nanasi. He's someone that I've known for a long time probably about 10 years now, right? That's right. Yeah, so um, in this podcast, we just like to hear inspiring stories of how Christians started either a business or a ministry. And uh, Erwin, I think that you've got a lot of interesting things going, so we're excited to have you today. Thank you. Thanks so much for the invitation to be here. Yeah, so Erwin, maybe we can go back a little bit um, and just talk a little bit about how we met. So we met at AFCO about right. 10 years ago, right? Yeah. And it was actually here at yep. Weimar. It was. Yeah, so what, what was uh, going on in your life at that time? Well, previously, I had been born in Germany, lived there most of my time, but then a missionary invited me to go to the Arctic Circle. There I was, <laughs> and reading the Bible for the first time, kind of an extreme place to be, I know. Yeah. But um, there I was, and I, uh, I really discovered the truth for myself, and uh, it was so compelling that I wanted to share that with the world, but I wanted mm -hmm. to get better at it. Mm -hmm. And so people said, look, Erwin, you're in the Arctic, living kind of like a caveman. You've got to go to AFCO because there's another person who lived like a caveman. And then there's Don McIntosh. And I think that you guys will hit it off. And I was like, oh, all right, cool. So I came. I was kind of incognito. Most of my life I was a musician. And so when I came, I really didn't want to play the piano at all because I didn't want to be boxed in that. And Are you so, serious? Yeah, I didn't play for a good you know, a month or two. I didn't even play. And then one time. So this is an Arctic Circle you didn't play? Well, there I didn't even have a piano until later on. <laughs> they didn't there are no trees, there, so there were no <laughs> actual pianos. The, there were some electric pianos that I was uh, getting into later on. But <laughs> <laughs> Do yeah. they have the ivory from all the walrus tusks or something? <laughs> Can right. they make one? <laughs> right, right. No, it, w it was similar to that. It, I prayed, Lord, you know, if you <laughs> really want me to be involved in this, then um, you know, give me an instrument. He gave me this electric piano, and it oh, didn't yeah. work. And then the person said, "Look, it's a really nice piano. If you can make it work, it's yours." And literally, I just opened the thing up, and God gave me wisdom. I'm not an Are electrician by any means. And I put the things together, and it worked. <laughs> and I would go from door to door with this heavy thing, and people were like, okay, come in, come in, come in. I would come in, plug the thing in, I would play for them, and have, like, house concerts. It was really amazing. Oh, cool, man. It was really man. amazing. And they, they really appreciated it um, as well. But that kind of, you know, led to... Um, my uh, my openness to knowing more about how to connect with people from different cultures and how to use u music perhaps as a medium to do that. But when I then came to, to AFCO, um, I was hoping to focus more on 
just the preaching aspect, the Bible work, and uh, I went into the health track. Me oh, and yeah. health, it was like what? <laughs> I mean, that was, you know, becoming becoming a person that then would eat, you know, plant based diet and so forth. That was definitely not what my trajectory was, uh, you know, looking like, you know, say uh-huh. twenty years ago. Uh-huh. But it developed to that, and. Um, at one point, there was a little break, and I thought I was by myself in the chapel, which was our teaching room, right? And yeah. I was playing the piano, and after like an hour or so, Don comes in. He's like, Erwin, <laughs> you play the piano? <laughs> Man, you got to sing all the hymns. <laughs> and then we started singing, you know, hymn one, yeah. two, three, go to the entire hymnal. <laughs> and that's kind of how things started, and uh, I felt a call to pastoral ministry, and so I ended up at Weimar, okay. um, long-term okay. for my studies, and then with that, launched into some... Uh, some other ventures as well over over time. Okay, so you ended up studying at Weimar after AFCO. Yeah. Yeah, so I remember kind of watching you after I left AFCO and like yeah. seeing what you were doing. It seemed like it started out as like kind of a music thing with Dr. Nedley. Right. And you were, you know, every once in a while I'd see you up at GYC playing something. Right, right, right. Yeah, and yeah then, I got involved with, with GYC as well and here I was studying um, religion mm-hmm. and theological studies. We didn't have a worship track back then. Mm-hmm. And uh, they also asked me to teach some of the music courses. And with Dr. Nedley um, doing some of the residential depression anxiety recovery programs he was saying erwin uh, i wanted to check i want you to check out some of the data that we're looking at i said data what <laughs> he said yeah so check out the intake forms and then also when the patients are leaving and uh, i'm wondering if there are correlations uh, as it relates to the entertainment aspect of things i said what do you mean he said well yeah the music that people listen to huh. i said hmm. and so we looked at that and he said it'd be interesting if somebody would actually do more studies on the implications um, that it may have when somebody is listening to music and what kind of music uh, would affect you know the brain or the body in in which ways and so I did that more and that was that really you know huh. that was that was opening my mind to so what did you find with that well it was interesting that um, when uh, patients uh, were listening to to music um, you know, habitually, and then also the kind of music, also the loudness of music and so forth, that there were correlations to their behavior and also to their depression or anxiety scores, mm-hmm. which then inspired me to say, I need to know more about this because I came from an artist's perspective. Right? I said, this sounds good. This makes me feel good. It must be good, right? <laughs> and so during that time, I also went to Berklee College of Music and did some more courses. Mm-hmm. At Berklee College of Music, even to this day, they hold the, the highest... Um, the percentage of alumni that graduate and then become Grammy Award winners. So these guys don't just have the natural talent of being good musicians, artists, and producers, but they also know exactly what to do in order for you to cry or to laugh really? or to be scared in a movie, right? Because they don't care from what country you're from. Huh. They just care about, will this portray the emotion that we want to portray? And so they're really successful in doing that. And so we were wondering, okay, if there's music that can cause people to have depression or to have anxiety, is there music that can cause people to worship or to feel loved or to feel happy? Hmm. And so that's what we were thinking. And, and most of the things that Dr. Nelly had done until that time, and even now most pronounced, is uh, classical music, especially Baroque music. And it's true. There's a lot of value in that. But then we also noticed that just a simple practicing of a scale can actually enhance frontal lobe activity. And uh, I was interested in what church music would do, especially hymns. 
And uh, so that's what I did later on then in my doctoral uh, dissertation where I was doing a case study and see what the perceptions were of people that were engaged in hymn singing. Oh. And that's, that's pretty neat because huh. the university I was doing that with, at Liberty University, they said, well, I'm not sure if this is really relevant. If you get 30 people to sign up for you know that kind of study, that's cool. But I had over 200. Oh. And so it became a bit more significant then. So um, your study was about the, the effect of hymn playing has on frontal lobe activity? Is um, that what not, it was in, not in particular. They uh, wanted it to be a qualitative study, so uh-huh. we gave them a survey, <clears throat> and in that survey we looked at the characteristics and uh, then also the perceived benefits that hymn singing may have. And so the people were saying, you know, several things, and you can read about that, just skip to the fourth chapter of my dissertation, um, then you don't have to read all the preliminaries. But essentially they were having, you know, several findings as relates to the social uh, unity that they perceived in a room with people that they didn't even know, um, as relates to emotional or uh, mental uh, mental benefits that they received where they felt this is really hmm. heightening my experience. And that's fairly fascinating because what, what I thought was really fascinating was the fact that when we asked the question what music they thought was most conducive to congregational singing, although some people would have chosen, you know, maybe CCM as their preferred choice or um, maybe more popular music, when it was asked about what would be most conducive to congregational singing, most people actually chose hymns, even if it wasn't their preferred choice, because they felt like this actually helps people to be united, be connected to a world community, and helps them, you know, uh, socially, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Huh. And it was really, really neat. Wow. Uh, because people don't always think of hymns as something that brings unity. They think of it perhaps more as something that's divisive, right? Yeah, well, either, you know, you're this side or the other side. Yeah. Uh, it was just an option, an alternative that perhaps some people haven't considered. And with the trend of the 21st century Christian church, most of them have abandoned uh, hymn singing altogether. And so um, here the question then is raised, hey, um, would there still be use for some of the hymns? And so out of that, then we started some projects that you'd probably be interested in, a ministry with Sacred Sound Foundation, where we said people obviously have an interest in this based on the data that we collected, but they may not always have uh, the availability of a church pianist mm. or somebody that is knowledgeable on the history behind some of the hymns or um, that is able to execute something up front in a way that really compels people to sing and actually be engaged. And so putting all of those things together, we um, started a project called the Know Him Project, mm-hmm. which now is an app. Mm-hmm. And so on that app, you have the lyrics available of over 700 hymns, and you have the piano accompaniments as well, and you have the background stories. And so that oh, way, wow, in your very home, you can have, um, you know, in, your, in the comfort of your home or while you're working or when you're in church and you don't have a pianist available, let's say, or a worship leader, you'd be able through, you know, the app to actually be have a more meaningful time. And we're hoping that it really... Um, accomplishes that and some that have tested it they have been giving us really good reports about it oh really yeah so can you yeah I'd really like to hear more about that app um, particularly for people that are listening and wanting to start something like this yeah Um, can you talk a little bit about the development process of that app and yeah how that went you know, we had in mind to do something like that for years. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times people come to me and say, Erwin, where's the album? You know, just give us the album ready. I want to take in my suitcase. You know, when they come to the programs at the church, they're like, I want to take in my suitcase. I want to just leave, you know, with you forever. I said, well, it's not really possible. I'm married. I have a son now. <laughs> but uh, we, we thought, you know, if we go and do something like that, let's go big. And let's do them all. <laughs> and uh, I said, man, if we do that, how will we make that available in a way that you don't have to scroll through songs and songs until you get to number 483 uh-huh. or something like right, that? Right. And so providentially, 
and I know that you talked with Samantha before. Yeah. Um, and so Samantha's husband, Narlin, he um, actually facilitated that I got to know a guy. His name's Charles Benjamin. And um, he's uh, from India originally. He lives in uh, Delaware now, but he is an, so he's a software developer. And uh, this guy, I mean, <laughs> when you have someone who loves God and who wants the method to match the message, you talk about Charles Benjamin because this guy just wants to be cutting edge with whatever we put forth. And so um, they had a startup and they needed another director on their board. And they asked me to join the board. And I said, why would you want me to join a board on you know, technology? I, I mean, I can barely use my phone and my computer. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. I know how to open an email. And he said, well, <laughs> but uh, I said, is it because you like you know, the fact that I'm a talker? He's like, yes, you're a talker. We're, you know, we're, we're nerds. You know, they're just <laughs> doing, um, and not just that, but that's really the way that they communicate, right? Development. So anyway, he said, Erwin, we really love music. And we believe that you really like technology. So this would be a great marriage to work together. So they, they founded this um, this uh, startup called Sabotech. And so Sabotech. Sabotech, yeah. Okay. And it's really neat. And they wanted to highlight the first the first app to be the Nohem app, to do something for the church and sharing you know, how we want to build on this Adventist foundation. And so the development was done by him and his team mostly. Uh -huh. And um, there's a lot of work that gets into it. It's typically very, very expensive. They give us a huge discount, which I'm very grateful for. Uh -huh. um, mostly, wow. you know, an app, what, will cost you 50000 upward and then with all the updates that are coming into it. So it's a lot of money. And this one we actually were fundraising for. Um, all the recordings were done, you know, volunteer. I didn't you know, get paid for any of those because wow. we said we really want to make this for the foundation. And the reason why we did that for Know Him is because we believe that artists um, can see the value of working in the church rather than having to go outside and, you know, go to Hollywood. Um, we believe that there's value of working for God. And so in order to do that, we said we're going to step out in faith and we're going to ask the people to crowdfund it. Okay. And so the overall project was about $40,000 that we were raising, and we have raised over 30000 oh, wow. already, and people are really jumping on it, and they, they love the idea, and they have either an annual or a lifetime membership, huh. which all the updates will then be included in. So, so for the app, you get kind of subscribed to the yeah, service? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because then that way, what our vision is, is that we're adding more and more hymns every year. And oh, we're adding different okay. languages. So it's going to go beyond the hymnal. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's That's, good that's also why it's called No Hymn. Right. And so that way, um, there are some songs that we really love, but they may not be included in the current SDA hymnal. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. may be in the There's older one. Like uh, yes. Yeah. And then there are other artists that have composed music since 1985 when the last hymnal was published. <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? And so these people, they're out really? there. Yeah. And they're like, wow. People still write songs. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, they do, and that's one I thing. I thought people stopped writing songs in the 1800s. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Jesus reminded people like that um, and told them, "Sing unto the Lord a new song." Right, it's, uh, he did the say very that. thing that He wants us to do. Yeah, and so what ha what what happens now is we really want to encourage other artists to jump on that so that if they want a platform where they can publish their music, Know Him could be that place. Yeah. And then, you know, you have the, all of that music available. And so it's it's a nice it's a nice co-working because you have people that are doing development. It takes time to test and we're getting to know more about that process. Mm. It will be a good three to six months until, you know, until an app will out. really take take off. Okay. Um, but we are in the closing in the closing, um, you know, stage to release phase one and then get ready. So how can someone get involved to like keep uh, funding this project if they are visiting knowhim.org uh -huh. um, there's a good write-up on you know our timeline and the things that we've been involved in you also get you know subscription uh, to the newsletter you know, it's available then you get stories uh, sent to you or also some free samples of what the music would be like and um, part of the app is going to be free 
when the app is released, like the lyrics and also the stories. Um, the music, however, uh, because there's more editing involved and so forth, that's going to be where the subscription may come in. Okay. Because we want to add other other artists then as well. You know, so say you want to add, you know, the violin or the cello or the saxophone <laughs> or whatever, then you just, you know, click those things. So you yeah, want to add really. voice, then that's some of, you know, ideas we have for phase two, three, four, five. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, and then and then do that as well. You know, so that churches around the world, <coughs> the vision is that there should be no Adventist, no Christian that is left without having meaningful piano accompaniment or meaningful musical accompaniment for their yeah. worship, wherever yeah. you are. And yeah. whether a pandemic happens or not, you can still say, I will worship with the yeah. people that I'm with. Yeah, and I've been, I've been to some churches where that's been a problem. Yeah, and yeah, it's challenging, sometimes. you know, yeah. because it's really discouraging yeah. um, f- for some. And so we, we are hoping to do that. And it's responding, I think, to a string of the heart that some people have been really thinking about for a long time. Yeah, and just from a musical standpoint, probably singing gets better as the piano accompaniment gets better. Have you found that to be true? That's what I'm hearing. You know, I would not have started this project unless people would have told me to do it. Because uh-huh. wherever I go, I typically play, and my family still seems to be comfortable with how I play. So that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but then others have been telling me that they also blessed by it too. It's not that I necessarily have to play on it. It just happens to be this way that I've uh, been privileged to record it. But I'm hoping that there will be others as well okay. that that can do that. And uh, if uh, you're listening to this podcast and you want to be more involved in technology and say, I really want to work with developers, especially with app development, then just send us an email, and if you say, hey, I'm an artist, I would really love to record more, I love the hymns, and uh, I would be excited to do that, or you're a singer, or you are a good editor, as relates to the stories, and uh, you see yourself involved, you know, just just let us know. Awesome. Because God already has told us <laughs> the laborers are few. You know, God is very rich. He uh, he is uh, he's <laughs> one of the best investors. <laughs> I mean, he invested in us to begin with. Um but laborers, laborers are few. That's really where it's at. And I think that as Christians, we have to realize that. And let me just add add something here real yeah. quick, if I can. Uh, I believe that <coughs> when we read the Bible in the very beginning and we read, you know, in the Genesis account and God is essentially showing us his business card, he's introducing himself as the creator. So no matter what we heard of him, you know, it's like, well, who do you say God is? You know, he says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I think it's so fascinating because if we take his word for it, then... He has creative power. He is the creator. We cannot, you know, in one moment uh, get stuck or feel like we're limited when we have somebody who is the creator. And even more so, he created us in his image. And I believe that it is our duty that we also are sustaining that creativity through innovations. It's part of reflecting his image. You know, we're, we're, we're involved in doing all of these wonderful things. And God is saying, yep, that those are my children. They're procreating. They are, you know, they're sharing the gospel in their various personalities. And sometimes it's difficult in institutions, right? Because you are in cohorts or you have standardized testing or whatever there is, you know, and you're just happy to do what everybody else does. And yet I think we have to zoom out sometimes and just ask the Lord, Lord, have you perhaps given me five talents? Give me two talents. Give me that one talent. You want me to use it? And just ask him for it. And some of us have natural aptitude and abilities, right? And uh, we may think that, oh yeah, that's all there is. But when you're a Christian, you're tapping into spiritual gifts. And the Holy Spirit is saying, I will now take over and I'll give you gifts. And I've talked with you about this before. You know, sometimes you have somebody who is a teacher, but they may not have the spiritual gift of teaching and all the students can testify of that. (laughs) (laughs) But then, you know, sometimes you have somebody who is... um, 
not a teacher by profession, but then they end up having the spiritual gift of teaching. That may be the same before a physician, right? They may have the profession of being a physician, but not the spiritual gift of healing. And yet you can have, but what happens when you have somebody who has a natural aptitude for that yeah. and they consecrate it to God? Yeah. And God is saying, this I will also impart to you as a spiritual gift. And you have that kind of marriage. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's just, that's really, that's really beautiful. And I think God wants to do that with his people. Yeah. He wants us to shine and he wants a people that are humble enough to acknowledge that they're not the givers of that gift and give that credit back to God. And he can just use us more and more. And he says, if I get the glory, I think we can go far. Hmm. Because Amen. it's just, that's how we were designed, you know? Amen. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. I definitely agree with you. I've, I've come across that with uh, just taking a lot of classes, people that are really gifted with the spirit don't have to necessarily be the best speakers ever. It's mm. just this, when the spirit so sanctions it. Man, yes. Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah. yeah. Hi, friends. I'm Pastor Doug Batchelor, and I'm very excited to tell you about a new MA Biblical Mission and Wellness program being offered by Weimar University in the fall of 2021. They've put together a fantastic master's program focused on church planting and revitalization. This is a program that I strongly endorse. In fact, I'll be one of the presenters with lectures that focus on evangelism and soul winning. So won't you please join me in taking up God's call for church revitalization and church planting. So Erwin, I want to talk about um one of the other things you're involved with, I think it's uh, Sound Studio. Is that oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is this has been kind of like a an endeavor that seems like reaching in a lot of different directions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's a good way to put so it. So can you talk about uh, how, what it is and how you developed it or came up with the idea of it and how it's been going? Yeah. Um, when uh, before actually Janelle and I got married, uh, we had. Um, somewhat of a philosophy that everything that we did, we wanted to um, base on the Bible. We essentially wanted Christ to be everything of what we do. And back then that meant when we're writing songs, we want to give the glory to Him. When we are preparing teaching material, we wanted to give glory to Him. Now she came with a canvassing background. She had worked for the conference. And for me, I'd been involved in a lot of music education. And then I had a degree in leadership, so I was interested in helping people you know, activate their talents and in creativity and innovation. So we started a lab and that was fun. And uh, then doing more in worship studies. And my personality just has uh, been shaped more fully with all this training in various forms. <laughs> and I really love people as an extrovert, you know. Yeah, and I so, could testify to that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I was just saying, Lord, please use all of these things. Now, mm-hmm. success in any line demands a definite aim. <clears throat> and I think that we have to have a certain competency because our circle of competence will obviously impact our circle of influence. I believe that very strongly, especially with young people. You see that in colleges, sometimes people have you know, different priorities. They think that their circle of influence will somehow make up for a circle of competence. But they really have to work on the competence and hone that skill <laughs> because it will, it will help them tremendously in, in yeah. reaching more people. But it, it started with music. And it's still largely involved in music, but we also expanded to other things. Uh, There was one year where um, I had pitched the idea to Weimar Institute to say, hey, can we have a creativity innovation lab? And they thought, well, what kind of course is that? You know, does that fit in the mission and the vision? I said, yeah, I think it does. So I pitched the idea and they said, you know what, Erwin, if you have five students show up, it can be a course. Well, we had over 30 people show up <laughs> for the first one. They said, uh, wow. uh, this may have been so successful that, you know, you may want to do this every year. Huh. 
And so we started doing prototypes. We started uh, the design thinking process and all of those things. I'm asking the students to come up with their prototypes or start their businesses, start their podcasts, their, you know, write their books and blogs and whatnot. And so then Janelle looks at me, my wife, and she says, so Erwin, what's your prototype? And I look at her and I was like, babe, this yeah. is my prototype. I was just designing the class and you had 30 people show up and we had to find you know, all the solutions to make it work. That's also where we started doing you know, the simulations that you were a part of just recently oh, yeah, with right, the culture yeah. simulation. So and she really turned it around on you. Oh yeah, she did. And I was like, babe, how can you do this to me? You know, and then you know, I stopped and we, uh, we were married, but we didn't have uh, our son yet. And I was thinking, you know, if I'm thinking ahead, I really want to be involved in something that my son can naturally see that we love God and very playfully um, he would also engage in, in a work that glorifies our Creator. And so I started writing a song about the books of the Bible. I had looked uh, online and some of them were just a, a bit more rocky than I wanted to introduce my son to when he's, you know, just an infant. <laughs> and I uh, said, maybe I will never introduce him to this, <laughs> really. But uh, I said, you know, maybe I should write a song. So I wrote a little song about it. And then I showed it to Janelle and Janelle's like, this is a really neat song, Erwin. And um, said, maybe we can make some images to it. So I started sketching my little images. And then I showed them uh, to my sister as well. And my sister said, Erwin, your images need help. <laughs> I said, oh, what? That's a very nice way to say it. <clears throat> and uh, she said, but I have a friend who is a designer and um, he can really help us. And so I said, all right. So we sent we send, uh, our idea to him and he designed um, icons for each book of the Bible. And uh, then I find myself upstairs in our upper room and Matthew comes by and instead of just using the icons, we're starting to play with them uh -huh. and we're actually designing a game. Oh, wow. And so as we're designing this game, the images are getting better and better and we said, you know, people are actually enjoying this and they say, you really need to make this big. I said, big? I mean, what does that even mean? You know, I said, well, we'll just see if there's buy-in. So we did a Kickstarter campaign. So we're going we're gonna to do a Kickstarter campaign. So early in the year, I, um, so can you explain Kickstarter campaign to someone? Sure. Never Kickstarter is a platform that allows developers <coughs> to um, introduce a project that they would like to work on or have worked on and want to see if there's traction. And uh, crowdfunding then uh, would provide the actual uh, m you know, monetary means for them to follow through and do that. Okay. And so there are various platforms out there, but we chose Kickstarter because it worked for us and we gave ourselves 30 days to reach our funding goal, which at that time was $12,000. And uh, I, uh, I put the application in early in the year and then we wanted to update it because we hadn't gotten to you know launch it yet and so i'm finding myself on tuesday night just finishing everything i was working on a video that you know paul keith helped me with great cinematographer and then you know clive Coutte helped with editing a great yeah. videographer and so they're helping me out and then many others that are on the campus helped us also with the, with the promo video and as soon as we are <laughs> as soon as we have all the things together i put it up and i just wanted to update our application well it's after midnight. I, I was working so hard, and I thought we're updating our application, and it told us it will take another week until it you know, will finally launch. Well, when I clicked update application, it actually launched my Kickstarter campaign <laughs> in the middle of the night, and there was no preparation for any of the contacts on the social media. It was, I'm telling you, I was by myself. It was like 2.30 or something in the morning. <laughs> I was still contacting with the designer, and... Uh, it was shocking. People say, like, I thought it was launching next week. What happened? And you want the launch to be big, you know? Yeah, right. Oh, man, all the emails went out, you know, in oh, the man. very morning. <laughs> and, you know, praise God, we reached our funding goal, in, you know, within three days. Oh, really? Yeah, by the time that the weekend hit, we already had reached our funding goal, and huh. it went over, you know, 20000 at the very end. Huh. Um, and it was... Oh, you it, got that much. 
So you got more. Like we got double. more. We got more because okay. people were really interested in in backing it, and they <coughs> wanted to be the first ones to receive it, uh-huh. and then share it with others. And uh, I'll just give the encouragement out there. You know, surely Kickstarter is going to take their share. Uh, because they have the platform. But if you have an idea and you're wondering if people are really interested in the idea, just make a nice little video, share about your idea, and put the different tiers on of what the people would be receiving once you are actually creating that, um, you know, certain project, so whatever it may be. So Kickstart, you actually buy the object that the person is prototyping? Yeah, is often right? you can, yeah. Is that it's, how it works, or mm-hmm, is it yeah. just like a donation? Yeah, no, the donation uh, base would be more like GoFundMe. In GoFundMe, you're saying, hey, I'm funding whatever you're talking about, okay. and you, know, you don't get anything in return. With yeah. Kickstarter, they're saying, okay, this is what you're working on. What can I have in return? Right, so you're um, actually buying it. Yeah, you cannot, buy, you cannot buy shares or any equity in the company uh, if there's a company, but uh, you definitely get you know something from what the people or the creators are developing. Okay. And so for us, we said, hey, if we're going to do that, we're going to give you the game. We're going to give you a booklet. And the booklet is really nice because it includes 66 images. And in the booklet, it shares um, how Christ is revealed in each book. And it's really nice because if you haven't read the Bible, or if you have read the Bible, but you want a very brief summary to do that, um, uh, to to do that quickly and share share that with someone else, we we believe that sharing Jesus with your friends shouldn't be that difficult. All right. <laughs> so if you're having a game night, you need you need to have an alternative of you know playing bibliology. Yeah. And if you're out there and you think of a nice book that could be on a coffee table in an, in an office or in a practice or be it a church or even at your home, then we thought a bibliology booklet would be just dynamite to do. And we kept it really short and succinct. Had awesome editors helping us, and some of them actually were from this institute students that have been here. Amazing work that they have been able to do, and. Um, and we said we need something for another age group. So then we had a memory game. And anyway, it just developed. And so much so that now we're thinking, what would it be if we had something that could be played for each book of the Bible where people very playfully learn more about Daniel, mm. about Revelation, the apocalypse, right? Yeah. Um, and have you know study guides that are interactive. And now since I know Charles Benjamin with app development, we were thinking, hey, there are over 2 billion people that are playing games. Yeah. But what would it be? if they have something that is just an interactive Bible study where they have nice images and it leads them more into, hey, what does the Bible say about that? Just click, and then they have this background information. There's so much history in the Bible. Yeah. And so we're thinking of that too. And there's a fine line, right, because we don't want our, our child necessarily to have a lot of screen time. So yeah. there will always be the physical um, you know, component to it where we actually have the cards, they can touch them and bend them and whatnot and have the songs uh, that they listen to. And even when you have a game night, let's say, that you have background you know, tracks that you can listen to that kind of set the scene, um, but then also have it as an app for those that are very busy and don't have a lot of time and want to do that, you know, with multiplayers, you know, around the world. Right, right. So can someone buy this game now? They can on the website, bibliologygame.com. Okay. There's a lot to be shared about that, too. If you are manufacturing something and you're thinking of doing that on a larger scale, as we're um, doing and hoping to do more, um, definitely give us a call. I'm happy (laughs) to help you. There's just so many things that you have to think about. Yeah, so how did you go about navigating that process? Um... Because, like, I don't know how to even begin. I know. <laughs> yeah, precisely. <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of prototype, and then you have to find the, the company that you're going to be, you know, willing to work with. We had a few setbacks there. Really? Um, like what? What would you? Well, one of them was that the company we were initially working with, they decided to copy our game and make their own game. That was kind of like ours. That was definitely a blow. Um, how did you deal with that? Uh, well... You're going did back you and forth with emails and whatnot, but did you then do any legal thing, or were you just like giving it to God, or how? We're yeah, we're giving it to God for sure, and we also have, um, you know, 
just requested some of the funding back and that has been difficult as well it's in the mm. some of the, the the back end is still in process but at the same time we know this is God's project and of course there will be a great controversy and we just said we're not going to be bogged down by this we're just going to see if the Lord has another open door and now we're working with another company who is actually printing you know the new King James version Bible and they uh, they have been helping us uh, quite a bit and so we're still able to do that our our most important priority is that we are keeping our promise to the backers so if we say that we're going to send something in April we want to send it by April and how many approximate games would that be um, the games that we have to send out we have to send out over 300 wow. I think in our first print wow. we did a thousand because we know that there are others who are requesting it who they just wanted to know that it's going mm. going to work and let me just say this to to developers uh, and you know creators of you know any product um, there will always be people that will jump on your idea once it's published and once they have the security that they can buy it on Amazon. <laughs> but there are also some that really enjoy when an idea is just being mentioned and it could be a possibility of happening. And you need to know the difference. Because when you have early investors, you know, and yeah. they're just, man, this is dynamite. What do you want me to do? You, do you want me just to help you? Want me to help you with an NDA, with contracts? Do you want me to network for you? <laughs> do you want me to do marketing? Do you want me, you, what do you want? You just, they're just so open. They just want to see you strive and succeed. And then there are others who have more of a consumer mindset. You know, that, well, what would this do for me? Uh -huh. Give me a discount for this. Be, uh -huh. They just want the idea to already be there. Once it's there, they can have, so, it can be frustrating when you're talking with end consumers who just want the real, you know, deal already, you know, there. Um, they may not do so well with just giving them a prototype where you have to explain, well, this is actually supposed to work this way and it has to have a different color and they can't imagine it, you know. So you just have to know, you have to know the difference. But once you, once you have um, a few people around you that are really invested both in time and maybe finance, but certainly in giving you feedback and saying, Erwin, this is not going to work. You know, you, ha you need to have that. You really yeah. need to have that. And yeah. I'm privileged to have my family work with me who definitely will not hold back. But I also know that if they're bought into something, man, we bought into something. Hmm. Because when your family believes in something that you do, um, it's just very powerful. And I, I realize not everybody has that, that kind of family vibe. And it takes a lot of work, let me tell you. It's, it's so much easier to, you know, just have a nice personal life and just keep professional and personal, you know, separate. Um, but we know from politics that that's not how life is. People are held accountable what they do when they are apparently vacationing or when they're. You, know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah. that's that's how life. And so for us, that's also part of the reason why we do what we do with Sacred Sound Studio, where we say we want Jesus to be part of everything, whether it is educational, professional, or recreational. It got to be. You got to be part of it. And yeah. we we want that kind of accountability. And what better way to do that than with people that love God? believe in him and whether they're family members or not um you know be able to work to, to work together yeah hey can you give me an example of something that like didn't work in your game or or something that, <laughs> that your family was just like yeah this isn't gonna work or plenty of examples i mean over the last three years i would come up and say okay Janelle, let's play it this way and in the beginning you know when we didn't have avi you know we would sit down and sometimes be able to do that for a longer stretch of time until at some point Janelle just said i'm giving you 15 minutes and she's like my shark tank, you know? Okay. It's like, yeah, just, oh, I pitched the idea. It's not working, Erwin. Come back tomorrow. And then there's Matthew. And, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I was like, why are you serious? And, um, but Wait, it helped me. you just me. have like a lot of ideas that you're always throwing out that well, got yeah, whittled but, down to 15 Exactly. Minutes. Well, when she we first got, got married. <laughs> I know. When we first got married, I had so many ideas. And Janelle would be writing them down. I was like, man, I love her. Yeah. She's like a scribe and we're going to make things happen. And then Janelle, at some point, you know, the first week, at the end of the first week, you know, we're, we're freshly married. She looks at me and she's like, Erwin, you have a lot of ideas. Are you actually wanting to make all these happen? Because otherwise, I'm not going to write everything down. I was like, oh, 
Um, so we call it ideal world. <laughs> yeah. And in our ideal world, we just mention all this stuff, and then yeah. we decide whether this is going to be in the real world or not. <laughs> okay. But I enjoy it because for a person like Janelle, who is very, let's do this, and let's get it done and finish a project, um, yeah, man. It's, uh, it's really important that she knows what we're actually working on. And for me, I really thrive in just ideating the entire time. Ideating, uh -huh. ideating, yeah. ideating. And that's also part of, uh, part of the reason why we were getting into uh, farming. Farming was because we wanted God to be part of everything that we did, especially the ABC of education, which mm -hmm. is agriculture. And so when we got out there, I realized more about myself, and that is I really like planting. I love that. You know, take the seeds, you know, till the ground, work hard, sweat on brow, morning till evening, do that. And then once I plant, I really didn't take a lot of delight in weeding or <laughs> even in harvesting. Honest truth. Honest truth. It's just, and then there were others yeah. in my family who really loved reaping the harvest. Uh -huh, that was like okay. the thing. Okay. And others who really are very good with uh, cultivating the soil. And that means weeding. I yeah. mean, if you're not taking care of that, the weeds are going to take over yeah. and they're going to overshadow your crop and ruin it. Yeah. And so I learned a lot about that in, you know, Pastor Darren Greenfield, uh, amazing mentor yeah. that just shares, uh, you know, the richness um, that we have of the gospel in the soil. And uh, how that, you know, also intricately is involved in, in marketing or uh, in the financial aspect. You know, we also have fiscal concerns, right, whenever you do any business. But it just has been a joy because we were able to see a cycle where we we're planting and cultivating and harvesting. And we did some of that already last season. And some of it we're still doing right now because the beets actually yeah. are harvested right now. Yeah, yeah. I wanna actually want to get my, uh, I want to put it in order for beets, actually. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah please do. Get some of those beats. Please do. That's great. <laughs> I uh, we may I was uh, I was thinking you know we may give you a we may make sure that you get a bibliology you know yeah uh, game too hey, so man. that you can actually see what it's what what it's like. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Wema offers two tracks: healthcare administration and organizational management, which are led by experienced professors and successful business leaders. If you long to bridge the gap between business and mission, go to www.wema.edu for more information. So, um, what would you say to like other Adventists that wanted to do something like what you're doing? What would be some some advice that you would give them? I think to to start with carve out some time that you call creative space or sacred space. And um, if that is the Sabbath, then that's a really good day to start with, where you say, this is my day where I connect with God the Creator, and I'll just ask Him whether there's something I can be involved with as it relates to innovation. And, you know, creative problem solving, where you say, maybe there's an alternative, even to how you brush your teeth. <laughs> you know, just doing, doing things and say, well, this may be a barrier to creativity, but are there bridges to this? And what I'm realizing in the workshops that we're doing is that some people have so many talents and once they're activated for them, they cannot but think that way. <laughs> they're like, yeah, w why limit ourselves? But it's, in it's inhibiting, you know, when you haven't been doing that. <laughs> and um, you can start small. And the nice thing about prototyping of any kind is that it's on a smaller scale and it probably didn't take you a lot of money. Often we just have, you know what, paper, cardboard, you know, some large sticky notes and pens, and then you just build your little things. And if somebody says, man, that's really neat. Well, what if we used better material? Okay, sure, then it's better material. But it's so it's so inexpensive in the beginning, and um, people feel like they can give more of the feedback because it doesn't look, you know, so 
so so dapper, so amazing, you know. And that's a challenge because once you really get a nice looking product, people are going to critique it much differently. <laughs> right? They're like, well, this looks really nice. You're probably making a lot of money, and you know, then they're sharing things in a different different light. So you really have to have you know trusted people that will tell you, hey, this is a good idea, go with this, or maybe this is not that great of an idea. But listen to some of the people that are close to you. Sometimes they're sharing things, and I think this is something that you learn with God's people. God's people also uh, share whether um, a minister should be ordained or not because they realize, hey, you have been called by God and the fruits show that. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, you know, the farming component, right? Mm-hmm. By the fruits, you will know them. And I think that for us, as uh, we are connected with the vine and we're abiding in him, God is going to allow us to bear fruit. But also be open to that. We say, God may take you to a place that you haven't really thought of. And that's, I think, a very integral part of education. Education is not only to teach what has been, but also teach what hasn't been. Hmm. And the student then says, hmm, Maybe I'm maybe I'm called to fill the gap, you know, wow. and that's that's a that's a component that I think we really need to be strong, and that's why I enjoy that you invited me to this podcast because obviously you're interested in saying how did people start something that wasn't there already, and I think that's part of what God is doing, right? And even this just the podcast, the creation of this podcast is amazing because it gets other people that have been doing that excited, and you feel like your voice is being heard, and I want to make sure that. Um, if you are listening to this podcast and you say, man, I want to get started, be encouraged, get started and perhaps find someone else that has done that too, because likely they will understand what you're going through and they will probably be excited and support you. I mean, if I'm hearing ideas of people that are starting things, man, I just get so excited. I just, you know, I, I can't but think this is going to be so amazing because sometimes you have a little idea and it develops to something that you didn't even think was possible. And uh, when other people are involved in the two and then you have teams and you know, you have leaders that are developing. It's just, I think God is really happy about that because mm. like, these are my people, yeah, you know? Yeah. They, they're just doing a good work. Doing new and creative things for yeah. him. Yeah, awesome. Hey everyone, it's been great having you in today. Really enjoyed hearing about everything. Thank you, yeah. thank you Dylan. Maybe we can close with prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, what you've been doing through Irwin and we pray that you'll continue to bless the many, many ideas he has and continue to give him more ideas, Lord, help him with the production of the various things that he has. Also want to pray for your people out there listening to this, that you would bless them with creativity and ideas and that you would continue to uh, bring more souls in through these ideas, Lord. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. We would like to thank today's guests for sharing their story, as well as our team of business students who made this podcast a reality. I am Gabriel Harrison, and I'll see you next time for another adventure.